Before I get into my message, I wanted to say a word about uh, the word that Jen spoke to you, breakthrough. Um, I've been a Christian leader, a pastor for over 30 years, and in my ministry, I've had the chance to travel to different uh, countries in the world and visit different churches, and I've seen breakthrough. And wherever I've seen breakthrough, it was preceded by a people who praised and a people who prayed. And we're going to become a church that praises and prays together. And that's a part of the breakthrough. If you want a breakthrough in your life. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you guys may not get the sense of this, but we who lead you and love you and shepherd you, it's like we feel hurried on the weekend because there's so many services and we have so many people coming and going. And so we've created a time once a month where all we do is we praise together and we pray together. And it's called Revive. And so our next one's going to be on June the 21st, Thursday night at 7. And I hope you'll consider joining us on your journey to experience breakthrough in your life. Now, City Church, we also believe in courageous, courageous connection. And my goal as your pastor this year is to see that everyone gets connected to someone. I believe it's that important for your spiritual journey. And so uh, I want to encourage you in your journey to keep on flying until you find your flock. And here's what I mean by that. You keep looking for ways to get connected until you find your flock, those three to four to five people who will be there for you in your times of need and whom you can serve in their times of need. And I know that's hard because, you know, it's about meeting some new people at times. And for those of us who may be more introverted, that's a hard step, you know. And that's why I'm encouraging you to find ways to get connected and find your flock. So this summer, we're offering a, a, a way to get connected called Summer Nights, where each Monday night for the next six weeks, we're going to gather here on this campus at seven. We've got uh, stuff for kids so that kids can get connected to each other for students so they can get connected. And then for us adults, we're going to be going into an in-depth study and discussion of the book that we're studying this summer, the book of Ephesians. And so you can go online to register or you can just show up tomorrow night at seven. Now at City Church, we also believe in the spiritual practice of sacrificial giving because we believe that that aligns us in the flow of God's blessing. And if you will get your life and your finances in the flow of God's blessing, you will experience the power of his flow in your life. And so as you give your tithes this week, uh, I pray that God would bless you and would surprise you by the power of his flow. Now, God has a plan for your life and you can know it. And his plan for your life, it grows out of who you are, who you are in his eyes, and what God has uniquely created you to do. Who you are and what he's created you to do. And so I think it's important for you to really grasp who you are. Your true sense of identity. How God sees you. Not how others see you. Not even maybe how you see you. How God sees you. Because when you live with that sense of your true identity, it em empowers you to live a life with purpose and meaning. So just who are you? Now, a few years ago, my wife, Barbara, won a week-long trip to Italy. 
And it was really cool. I would have never thought to go in there, but she won it and we went and we just had a great time. And we got to see some of the most amazing masterpieces of architecture and art ever created by man. While we were in Italy, I got to see the great uh, Colosseum in Rome. It was an amazing structure. I mean, it's lasted for thousands of years. It's just truly amazing. We also got to visit the Duomo Cathedral in Florence. And I, I, got, I climbed all the way up to that top spire and got a, a shot of myself looking out over the city. It's very beautiful and amazing structure. And then back in Vatican City, I got a chance to witness the, the magnificent Sistine Chapel of, of Michelangelo. And then back in Florence, I got to see perhaps Michelangelo's greatest masterpiece, the statue of King David, 17 feet tall. And yeah, we cover, well, we've covered the private parts. Don't worry. I mean, it's church. All right. We got to see dozens and dozens of masterpieces, each one unique and beautiful in its own way. And according to the scriptures, when God sees you, he sees a masterpiece. This is what those scriptures say. This is Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can you say that verse with me? Let's say it out loud as a positive affirmation. Are you ready? For we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's masterpiece. And last week we saw that we are not just a masterpiece. We are God's greatest masterpiece, his magnum opus. And that's the title of our series. But I want to ask you a question. When you look in the mirror each morning, what do you see? Do you see a masterpiece? Do you see someone of value who is making this world a better place? Or do you only see the flaws and failures, the mistakes and the regrets? Do you see a, a person who is living without purpose and value in life? Now, this last week marked my one-year uh, anniversary taking on this new role as the lead pastor of City Church. And over that time, I've gotten the chance to pray with hundreds and hundreds of you who turned in prayer request cards, and I've gotten to pray with many of you after the services, and even I've prayed for some of you who sent in prayer requests through our website. Uh, and one of the things that I've noticed and I'm concerned about is that I think some of us don't feel like masterpieces. That's not the way we view ourselves. I think some of us feel like disappointments. Some of us feel unworthy. Some of us feel like failures and screw-ups. Now, I understand how we can end up thinking like that about ourselves. Because some of us, if we could be honest, we have failed at times in life. We have disappointed others. Sometimes we've even screwed up. But what you do does not determine who you are. And then some of us view ourselves like that because somebody else told us we were that way. Somebody else told you you were a disappointment. Somebody else told you that you were a screw-up, a failure. And that's influenced the way you view yourself. And then some of you I know have experienced some painful rejection in your life from someone significant. And all of those negative experiences have distorted your own view of yourself. And if that's what you think about yourself, and this is critical, if you think you're a screw-up, if you think you're a failure, 
If you think you're a disappointment, you will live down to that view of yourself. Because what you think about yourself, who you believe you are, influences who you become and how you live your life. So that's why we're studying this book of Ephesians, because in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul unpacks who you really are in Christ. And so I want you to get a clear sense of your true identity, because you are a masterpiece. But to become the masterpiece that God sees in you, it's important that you feel a certain way about yourself. So the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians, most of whom were primarily new believers. And so they did not really have a spiritual heritage, and and they really struggled with believing and feeling like they were truly masterpieces. And so the Apostle Paul spent some time trying to cast vision for them to have a new vision of the way they viewed themselves in God's eyes. Are you ready? This is Ephesians chapter one, verse three. He said, all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So he's talking to believers. And he said, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. That is how God sees you. Before he created the world, because God is timeless, he could see you and he loved you and chose you. And that means he loved you and chose you before you got your act together. He loved you and chose you when you were still a mess. He loved you and chose you when you might not have been lovable. And that's an important perspective to grasp. And the apostle Paul knew for these people to become the masterpieces God saw in them, they needed to feel chosen. Do you feel chosen? Now, as I I was meditating on you know, what it means to feel chosen. I thought back on like one of the most awkward seasons of my own life where there's a lot of odd choosing rituals. So I thought back to like my high school years. Now, I, I, it was very awkward for me. And, and I grew up here in San Antonio. I'm a graduate of John Marshall High School. Any Rams out there? Ram them Rams, baby! Woo! Okay. Anyway. As I look back on my high school years, I remember all of these really awkward uh, choosing rituals. And so I don't know if they still go on today, but like, you know, you had all of these school activities and dances where in my day, girls waited for guys to ask. And so if you were the pretty cheerleader, you knew you were always going to get asked and you just had to pick who you wanted to take you. But as I've looked back on my high school experience, I remember some of my friends who were girls who I never saw at those events. And I began to to think, oh my gosh, what if they were never asked? They were never chosen. And how would that have felt to feel unchosen? And then, you know, guys, we had our own choosing rituals, right? And it normally related to sports. And so if you were strong and fast and tall, you always got chosen. But if you were like me, I was five foot 11, I weighed 135 pounds when wet. I looked like a zipper with braces. You didn't always get chosen. And let's be honest, when you're not chosen, even for seemingly little things, 
It does something to you, doesn't it? Like when you're not chosen for a team and when you're, when you're not chosen by a girl or a guy, when you're not chosen by the school you wanted to attend, when you're not chosen by the, the business where you wanted to work, it can do something to you. And then I do know that some of you have, have faced you know, some of the most painful rejection of all to be rejected by a parent or a spouse. And all of those negative experiences of being unchosen can influence the way we feel about our own relationship with God. And so I'm going to ask you that question again. Do you feel chosen? And in particular, do you feel chosen by God? If you feel unchosen, you're going to live with this sense of insecurity that's going to suck the joy right out of life. But if you can get to the place where you know and believe and feel chosen, you can live with a sense of security and you can live with a sense of purpose and meaning in life. God loves you and he chose you. And when God chose you, he made the choosing permanent. Look at verse five. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. So here's what Paul's saying. Not only did God choose you, he made the choosing permanent by adopting you into his family. And it gave him great pleasure to adopt you. And when God adopts you, it's not like that family a few years ago who adopted the kid from Russia. Do you remember that story? In 2010, a family from Tennessee adopted a seven-year-old boy out of a grim orphanage in Siberia named Artem. But Artem expressed some behavioral issues. And after seven months, his adoptive mother put him on a plane for a 10-hour trip back to Moscow, clutching a piece of paper on which she wrote, I no longer want to be the parent of this child, and I want the adoption annulled. Can you believe it? And what do you think Artem felt when he went back to Russia? And here's why I'm bringing this up. Because some of us, we feel that in our relationship with God, like a, a sense of insecurity. And for some of us, we were taught to feel insecure about our relationship with God. We were taught that if we don't get our act together, or if we screw up, God's going to put us on a plane and send us back. And so we've lived with this sense of insecurity and fear. But I want you to know, according to Paul's teaching, God's not like that. When he adopts us, the choosing becomes permanent. When God adopts us, it's more like what my cousin experienced. I have a cousin, uh, a cousin, uh, she and her husband uh, have been a part of caring for kids in the foster care system in their city. And uh, one day they, they took in some children whose parents were drug addicts. And because of their parents' addictions and because of some of the behaviors they witnessed, these kids had problems. But my cousin and her husband loved those kids. And they decided to choose them. And they adopted them into their own family. And they chose them and they adopted them because of love. Before you were born, God loved you 
and he chose you. And he makes the choosing permanent. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you become adopted into his family. And it's permanent. And you know what that means? It means God is, is not going to put you on a plane and send you back. God has a plan for your life. He sees a masterpiece in you. And his plan is to bring it out of you. That's his plan for your life. But to experience that, I, you, you need to believe and feel that you're chosen. That's why Paul's talking about this. You are chosen. Can you say that with me as a positive affirmation? Let's say, I am chosen. Are you ready? Let's say it together. I am chosen. Do you believe it? You know, it's one thing to say, I am chosen. It's another thing to really feel it. And Paul could sense that these believers he was writing to, he had taught them about being chosen, but they didn't feel it. They weren't getting it. And so he wanted them to know, to realize the great price that God paid to adopt them into his family. This is verses six and seven. He writes, so we praise God for the gracious grace, a glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And did you catch that? God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom and forgave our sins through the blood of his birth son. As Christ followers, we believe God became flesh and lived among us and that he paid our sin debt himself. And so I want us to get this. You don't pay for your forgiveness. You don't pay for your forgiveness with good deeds. You don't pay for your forgiveness with religious rituals. You don't pay for your forgiveness with acts of penance. You don't pay for your forgiveness at all, according to Paul. Who pays for your forgiveness? Jesus did, the Son of God. We believe that God became flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, and get this, that he paid our own sin debt himself. He became our substitute. God shows his grace by paying our sin debt himself. And all he asks of us is to believe, to put our trust in his son. And when we do, we become adopted into God's family. And that's the way he sees us, as chosen children. And when you're chosen children, you're loved because of who you are, not because of what you do. And those of you who are parents, you know what that feels like, right? I have two children. They're grown now. One's a longhorn, one's an Aggie with all of the issues that go along with all of that, especially my Aggie, you know what I'm saying? But I didn't wait until my kids grew up to decide if I loved them or not. No, I love my children because of who they are. And when my kids mess up and they did, I wasn't thinking about putting them on a plane and shipping them to Russia. I loved them because who they are. And I forgive them because of who they are. And that's the way God sees you. He loves you that way. He forgives you that way because of who you are. That's free grace theology. That's what we teach here at City Church. 
God's grace cannot be earned. It's a free gift. So his love can never be lost. And that means God's not going to put you on a plane and ship you out when you mess up. And if you can live with that sense of security of who you are, who you are in Christ, it will transform the way you live your life. You will become the masterpiece that God sees in you. But here's the struggle, if we can be honest. Many of us, because of negative words spoken to us in painful life experiences, it's like we have layer after layer of soot and grime that covers up the masterpiece that God sees in us. And that means we are in need of restoration. And church, church ought to be a place where masterpieces can be restored. Now, I told you earlier that I had the great opportunity of having a private tour through the Sistine Chapel. But the Sistine Chapel that I saw was restored. It was a restored masterpiece. You see, Michelangelo uh, painted the ceiling, the, the frescoes on the wall in the ceiling from 1508 to 1512, and that's how he created his masterpiece. But after 500 years of candles burning in the Sistine Chapel, layer after layer of soot and melted wax covered the masterpiece. Nobody knew what it really looked like anymore. And then in 1980, the Vatican commissioned the restoration of the Sistine Chapel. And, in 19, and, and then 14 years later, after painstaking work, Pope John Paul II revealed the restored Sistine Chapel. And we have a picture of before and after. And these are both color photos. You can see that the colors became bright and sharp and vivid and complex, and the features became clear and amazingly precise. When restored, the masterpiece beneath the grime and soot look like what the artist originally envisioned. And God wants to do that work in your life. Church ought to be a place where masterpieces can be restored. But let's be honest about how some of us experience church. Now, I'm going to say something here for a moment. And like, if you did not grow up in church, you're new to church, you may not understand what I'm talking about, but some of you will know what I'm talking about. You see, some of us grew up in churches where when you came to that community of faith, you felt like you had to put on a facade and put on a smile and act like everything was okay, had no problems, because that's what it meant to have faith. If you had faith, you didn't have any problems, and so you had to fake it. And here's what happened in those kind of churches. You never got honest about the pain you felt, and you never got real about your deepest struggles. And then others of us, when we went to church, we got soot and grime added to us when we went to church because of what I call worm theology. And here's worm theology. Worm theology says we're all, we are all totally depraved. We are all just sinners in the hands of an angry God waiting to smack us. We are all nothing but wretched worms. And if that's what you believe about yourself, you know what happens? You end up living down to what you believe. I want you to get this. Here's what the scriptures say. 
You were created in God's image. And every human being in them, God sees the masterpiece he envisions. But to get there, you got to believe what is true about who God is and the way he sees you. Church ought to be a place where masterpieces can come to be restored. And here at City Church, I believe we have the people and programs in place that can restore your life. But look, I'm going to be honest about it. The restoration process, it takes time. It takes some hard work. It takes faith. I mean, the Sistine Chapel took 14 years to restore. And so some of us is going to take a while to restore our lives, and that's okay. That's a part of the beauty of living like a masterpiece is going through the process. But here's the key thing I want you to see. The beauty is already in you. God's already put it there. We just got to get it out. And I'm asking you to engage in the process that will help restore your life. So what are the programs I'm talking about? Well, one of the key programs is something we call Peel the Onion or PTO. This is our unique biblical process and program that will help restore your life. And I want you to know, I've been through this process five times myself as your pastor. That's how screwed up I am. That's how much work I need. And it's okay. This is a safe place for you to get real about what you're really struggling with. And we can help you. And so if you know this is the right next step for you, we have some leaders of this program at the center pavilion. When you leave this auditorium, you can ask questions or sign up. They have groups that are getting ready to start in this next week. But we have other programs. We have the re-engaged marriage program that can restore your marriage. We have seen couples who are at the brink of divorce. We've even had couples who already signed the divorce decree, who decided to give it one more shot to try to restore their marriage. And we've seen their marriages restored. And if you'll give us a chance, I believe we can help you restore your marriage. We also have the Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University program that can restore your finances. Look, if your finances are a mess and it's not like you've lost a job or something, if your finances are a mess, then the plan you have now is not working. I think you need a new plan. Let us help restore your finances. We also are going to be offering divorce care to help you recover from the pain of divorce, grief share to help you recover from the loss of a loved one. And then also we're, we're starting a new program called Starting Point, where if you're a new believer or you've never really had anyone teach you how to follow Christ, we're going to uh, set you up with a trained mentor, a mentor that has been trained by our pastors to help you begin your journey well. You can find out more information about all of these programs I'm talking about if you go to our website and click on Grow. So all you got to remember is go to grow. Can you say go to grow with me? Go to grow. That's all you got to remember. Now, we have the people and programs in place that I believe can restore your life. But you're not going to endure the, the, the work. And at times the humbling experiences and at times the pain of the process of restoration if you don't feel chosen. So I have a friend who grew up in a very abusive family that literally worshiped Satan. She experienced physical, emotional, and sexual torment at the hands of her own family. When she got older, she escaped from her nightmare 
And she eventually forged a relationship with the family right here at City Church. And over time, that family developed a love for her and they decided to choose her and adopt her into their family. And so they went down to the courthouse, they made vows to each other, they signed uh, documents making it legal. In fact, this family even changed their wills to give my friend a full inheritance as a family member. But she told me that even though this family had shown so many expressions of love and choosing, she still didn't feel chosen because she thought, yeah, okay, yeah, everything's going well now, but what happens when I mess up? What happens when I disappoint them? Are they gonna stick me on a plane and ship me back? And so one night they were gathered together. She was eating dinner with her new family and there was a candle in the middle of the table and she took her napkin and held it out over the candle. She was testing their love for her. And when the, the napkin caught flame, it burst into flame, she let the napkin go and it fell to the table. And she waited. She waited for the anger. She waited for the cursing, for the violence. But nothing happened. And after a few moments of silence, her new family talked to her about what she had done and then affirmed that they loved her no matter what. And that's when my, fin, my friend felt chosen. That's when she knew it. And today I want you to feel chosen by God. No matter what you do, if you have faith in Christ, no matter what you do, you're a part of the family. You're adopted. You're a masterpiece. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord God, it's so good to know that that's who you are and that's who we are in your eyes. And Lord, I, I pray for those of us who may be struggling with our view of ourselves. I pray that you would give us the faith to believe what the scriptures teach us about who we really are and who you see that we are. I pray that we really will become the masterpieces you see in us. And then, Lord, I pray for those who have never put their trust in your son. Maybe they're not a part of your family yet. And if that's you today, you can begin. That's the beginning of the restoration process is to put your trust in Jesus. And you can do that today. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer of faith. And if that's the decision that you should make, I'm inviting you to make it today. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I want you to pray it out loud. Just, just whisper it out loud as I lead you through it. Are you ready? God, I believe in you. And I believe you love me. Yes. And I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died on the cross to pay for my sins. And so I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to make me your child. And Lord God, I ask you to look down upon all of those who prayed that prayer with me. And I ask that you would honor what you have promised, that you would make them your children, that you would wash away the burden of guilt, that you would remove the soot and the grime, and you would allow them to feel within their own hearts and souls 
that they are truly your children. They have been chosen. They have been adopted into your family. I ask that you would fill them with your spirit, which is what you promised you would do. Fill them, them, fill them fully with your spirit that they might know from this day forward, they are your children. They are in your family. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.